Welcome to another episode of Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we break down the stories of games, spoilers and all. We have an awesome episode lined up for you today as we are going to be discussing Ickenfell, the newest indie turn-based tactical RPG from Happy Ray Games. If you have never heard of this game before, I promise you you're in for a treat. Before we get started, I wanted to make a few quick announcements. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show on any of the major podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. Also, if you want to show support and be rewarded for it, head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp where you can sign up for one of our delicious tiers. And lastly, if you want to check out more content from us, head over to swordchomp.com where you will find more podcasts, a review section, our merch store with some mouth-watering items, and so much more. Okay, it's time for you to meet the crew that is joining me today for this episode. First, we have the man who thankfully introduced this game to the rest of us. I like to imagine him as a man whose powers would be knowledge-based, like an encyclopedia man of some kind. He probably learned a lot about blood magic, dabbled it in it a little bit to somehow make a forbidden cocktail. Something dangerous happened, and he quit using the magic. But ever so often, he dreams of that cocktail in hopes of one day it tasting his lips again. Joshua Fowler is here. How you doing today, my friend? I am good. I am doing doing pretty good. Ready to talk about some I Can Fell and spoil it for everyone who's unwilling to take my advice you absolute losers you yeah yeah and if you so there will be some probably discrepancies as you notice josh pronounced i can fell i pronounce it can fell we're not really sure how the game's pronounced because it's pronounced yeah. in both ways during the game so if you hear us like interchanging those two terms it's because we don't really know so um don't be uh the game itself didn't about that specify a preference. So, yeah. So, we'll be calling it both. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. But Josh, I'm glad you're here today. We also have a man that I would feel would fit in well with the flame tribe that the main character of the game has seemed to fall into as this person is quick-witted and finding that he put himself in situations where he's in over his head. Like playing Persona 5 for the millionth time. Rich Meister is in the building. Rich, I'm glad that you're here, dude. I really can't wait to talk about this game with you. I like the wizard school. <laughs> I like the witches in wizard school. That's right. I'm I'm really excited to talk about this with both of you guys. Uh you guys like this game as much as I did, so I'm excited. And uh of course I'm your host, Shay Layton. I imagine myself as being the one with the ice powers, as I often feel misunderstood and slighted, even though people are often looking out for me. Um, if I'm being completely honest with myself, 
I know that's not really funny like the other two, but I will say that I find my nipples are standing at attention far too often, which may somewhat play into the whole ice powers thing. But no matter, we're not here to discuss my nipples today. Um, before we go any further... Not this time. Not this time, no. Maybe next time. Before we go any further, however, I, want, I just want to remind you that listening from this point forward, there will be spoilers as we will be breaking down the game entirely. I highly recommend that you either play the game entirely before listening to the full podcast or listening to a little bit to see if you are interested in playing the game and then coming back to this episode. Also, a little bit unorthodox, we are going to be breaking this episode into two parts as I could not pare down this script to a bite-sized portion because there's just so much happening in this game and there's so much to the story and to the character development. So it's going to be a two-parter, so be prepared for that. But if you are concerned about spoilers, um, be prepared. And if you're not, if you're not, stick around and listen. But from here on out, spoilers, okay? So let's get into it. We start the game in a forest that clearly takes inspiration from an NES Zelda game. You control Marit, a red-haired person who is looking for a place called Ikenfell, or Ikenfell, a witching school. It is late, and she goes to camp. As she is resting, she is attacked by three ghosts. After she is defeated in combat, using only a rock, she suddenly gains flame-witching powers, powers she never had before. She defeats the ghosts, and they reveal that something has been happening at the school. Marit asks them if her sister is okay, and they reveal that they don't know. Being affiliated with the Goodly School of Witching, they offer to watch over her as she rests at her campfire. The next morning, the head of the ghost, Trio, Eok, lets her know that he will be permitted, or sorry, she will be permitted to enter Ikenfell to look for her sister. She must go on alone while they continue to stand guard in the woods. The prologue thrusts the player right into the conflict, opening up many questions right off the bat. Josh, can you remember your initial thoughts upon starting the game? And Rich, please feel free to jump in at any point in time during this conversation. Um, I think my, my first thoughts, like immediately going into it, were mostly about the music, uh, which I not, obviously not, not story just right off the bat, but like, um, because it, it kind of it eases you into the story as far as like okay I'm going to save someone I know it seems fairly by the books at that point but the music was such a cool mix of acoustic and chip tunes um, in a way that just feels right like it just it it feels it feels it feels like you remember these old melodies from like an NES game or something is kind of that the, 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 the feeling it gives you as your false nostalgia. Exactly. It's, it's very much false nostalgia. And, uh, I just, I was in love with the music just right off the bat with the, the soundtrack to the first forest right there. I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying just being in the world 
because of that. And I think it kind of allowed me to want to explore it as much as possible. I'm like, okay, I just, I like being here. So let's, let's find out as much as possible about here. Cause yeah, it's a, even the, even yeah. the opening jingle, like at the title screen is super memorable. Like I'm humming, mm-hmm. like often I don't remember specific melodies from music. I remember the, that the mu- music in certain games is amazing, but the opening music, even like I can hum it right now if I really wanted to, it's the music in this game is wonderful. And yeah, and it evokes that desire to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rich, what what were your initial thoughts? Booting um, up the game. I mean, probably around similar lines. The music obviously was a standout there, but to keep it on the story, I mean, the initial hook isn't really much special in terms of it's like standard video game fare. Um, I was excited to see what more the world could offer in that terms because the art as well is just beautiful. Um, also, I remember immediately thinking because this is about as far as I had gotten before we recorded the first time we talked about this game. I was like, oh, the save points are cats. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, you know, I myself don't, wasn't super compelled by the beginning story. Like, everything else was kind of drawing me in more so than the story. The story, like Rich is saying, is very just typical. Um, you are a main character. You have heard that your sister has gone missing. You're going to find her. And I mean that's that's pretty much the premise, the opening yeah. premise right there. And there's nothing the too extravagant journey. driving that forward. It's everything else that kind of does the heavy lifting at the beginning until the story gets its feet off the ground, so to speak. I think for me yeah. at least. I think that's I I don't know. I kind of feel like that feeds into a lot of the reasons I got into JRPGs in the first place. Because I mean, the intro to Final Fantasy V, which is one of my favorites. It's it's like the most generic thing, like, you know, it, it, as far as like the, the you know the premise they give you there, but the music in that intro, it just in the intro video stands out so much that I was completely hooked just right off the bat. But I don't know, just it was it was it was ticking the same boxes that those experiences yeah. gave me before. That's awesome. Yeah, and that kind of harkens back to the similar, not similar art style, but similar capabilities in the um, in the graphics and whatnot during that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I really like that. Um, the opening relies so much on the other elements that stay great throughout the whole game, like the music and the art direction slash art style, um, the dialogue. It's all great from beginning to end, and I like that it does a lot of the heavy lifting while it's trying to get the story off the ground, so to speak. I thought that was, um, well done for sure. Like they, they put, they picked the right song to start the game with is essentially a large part of what I'm trying to say here, which is what Josh also said. Yeah. Okay. Let's hop back into the story. Um, Marit quickly finds, excuse me, Marit quickly makes her way through the forest, acquainting herself with her newly received powers. At the wall of the school, she finds her sister's hat, but it is quickly stolen by a dark-clothed unknown unknown hat enthusiast. She finds the gate and a memory crystal next to it. She interacts with it and observes a memory of her sister, Safina. 
along with the other new students, being welcomed to the school by headmistress Eldra. After the memory ends, Marit learns that she can't enter the school through the gate. She traces her steps and meets Bax, and, you know, I think it's pronounced Iben, but I'm going to pronounce it Eben, because there's a movie called The 13th Warrior, and um, this is a complete random aside, I apologize, and Eben is the nickname of the main character in The 13th Warrior, play, played by Antonio Banderas, and I love that movie so much as a kid that I named um, my childhood golden retriever Eben, and... Um, I miss that dog all the time. I think about that dog all the time. And so it might be Iben, but I'm going to pronounce it Eben in memory of my dog because I love that dog and I miss him so much. So, <laughs> okay. Eben Oxley. Eben claims that he is the most powerful wizard and that Bax is his companion. They decide to duel Marit to see how powerful the next generation of witches and wizards are, being convinced that Marit is a student of, at Ickenfell. After Marit wins the duel, they go off to find a way into the school. So to br break up the monotony of me talking here, Rich, I want to give, I want you to give me your impressions of Eben and Bax when you first met them and how their interaction started to shape the world a little bit for you. Because I remember both you and Josh very much liked this first interaction with Eben and Bax. Uh, I love the two of these characters, especially as the game proceeds. And I feel like they give you a very fucking strong introduction here in terms of Oxley um, sort of being like this bumbling doofus. And uh, they go interesting places with that stuff later. But the idea of him being this sort of famous wizard who's revered as like the most powerful uh, wizard in the coven and like, you know, backs his assistant. But really, you get the impression pretty early on that dynamics like entirely reversed and that Bax yeah. might be the one really toting power here while Oxley is kind of just along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's it's almost like he's not even aware of it, which is what you had mentioned, Rich, um, a few weeks back. He's not even aware that the, the roles are reversed. He's completely convinced he's the strongest wizard in existence. Yeah. Like, he's so inept, he doesn't realize that he's inept. <laughs> right. Exactly. Josh, did you feel similarly to Rich? Yeah, yeah, especially especially at the beginning. Like they're they're really going for this thing and like Rich said, there's there's a whole lot more to it than what you get at the beginning, but that they give you that impression is important because it's the same impression impression that, you know, the main character has and they're And she they're, reiterates that several times to other people in universe. Who are like who are very incredulous. Like, no, no, you didn't you didn't beat that guy and um and it, it's just, it, it's played really well because of that dynamic that you somehow have secret information about you know someone else that everyone has an opinion on already um which kind of I, I i think kind of because of that also leads to some interesting uh you know how are other people going to take you that know, news that news like that uh, exactly don't meet your heroes sort of information yeah because how someone reacts to you having a different opinion about someone they really like is that's a that's a really interesting character uh point uh and seeing yeah 
I, I think I think they use these two characters extremely well for their own sake, but then especially for how it kind of allows other people to react to them. Um, Absolutely, and, and even they're, just, they're they're really they're really well done because of that. They're super endearing, and also it even plays into what you guys are, have alluded to, to some of what happens later in the story. Had they not been designed exactly this way, the payoff for what happens towards the end of the game would not have been as sweet or as, um, in some ways, unexpected, I think. I think a yeah. lot of the story is very, very, you know, you expect it, but it's the journey that's more interesting than the end result, even though the end result is very interesting because it's kind of a you're kind of following a mystery in some ways yeah uh, but the the dynamic of their relationship is awesome and it just gets better and better throughout the game it really yeah. does yeah i think when they first showed up my my initial impression again trying to find points of reference because it seems like so much of this is you know obviously obviously informed by so many other games in general, but then especially right. in the genre, I'm like, they they show up with a really really strong new theme that happen like that that you get every time they show up again. I'm like, oh oh, it's Kefka, like the yeah, <laughs> like the really strong, you know, slightly off kilter, just dancing know, mad person who shows up out of nowhere to cause trouble all of a sudden. Um, like Shea it's Ogre like it's, I, yeah. I, I saw that at the beginning, and I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I'm. You kind of assume like he's he's going to end up being trouble for me. He's going to, you know. Try also, to... A, a great dynamic because I don't think this is a a new idea, but like you said, like the almost saying it's Kefka idea, but the character that, regardless of what they're doing, believes they're the good guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it 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 does. It feels very much similar to that. Like, okay, we're back to this character, their point of view. What are they up to now? What what problems are they going to cause that I'm going to have to deal with? Um, yeah, that's a that's a major major theme, Rich, throughout this entire game, and that's something we're definitely going to delve into later. It's actually one of the questions I had geared up for later. But yeah, that that's a really good point. These two characters, they believe that they are doing what they were a called to do and be what they think is right and that's kind of the motivation of a lot of characters in this game they are behaving yeah it, it, this game mm -hmm. does have a lot of people that are behaving in with the information they have believed to be the best interest of everyone yeah 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 it's interesting i like that it, it's a different way to play with perspective um it's not something that's never been seen before or anything like that but i i like that play with perspective um, I like when certain stories do that. And uh, as we discuss more and we get further into the story, um, it'll be kind of something that each one of us will reflect on if it's something that we like in A, stories in general, B, in this particular story, and C, it allows you as a listener to decide if it's something that you would enjoy. Because I think um, the story obviously plays around with it a lot in different ways. So... Um, Jumping back into the story, let's find out what happens next. Marit finds an inn, and the bartender notices that she is distraught. After offering a drink, he tells her that she reminds him of a red-haired wild girl who ends up being Safina. He reveals that Safina's friend is in a room crying and suggests that Marit goes to talk to them. Marit goes to Petronella, a nervous, stuttering 
friend of Safina and asks them for help in finding Safina. Marit reveals that Safina would often talk about Petronella when she would come home from Ickenfell for the summers. After some encouragement from Marit, Petronella shows Marit to a secret entrance to the school in the tool shed. They ask for the key from the bartender, but he admits that he lost it in the basement that is full of monsters. Of course. They defeat a massive flame monster who reveals that it has been asleep for many years and was awoken and controlled by a magical surge originating from Ickenfell. After going into the tool shed, Petronella tells Marit that the only way to access the magical entrance into Ickenfell is to cut her hand and drip blood into the receptacle. Upon doing that, they enter a dark alternate universe. Petronella tells Marit that she must be quiet. As they reach the exit, they witness a massive dark form. Petronella says that it found them and they must escape quickly or they will be attacked. They appear in a new shed that is inside of the Ickenfell grounds. The alternate universe section I found equally cool and terrifying. What I think it did well was make the player empathize with Marit. She is this character who is called an ordinary, which is a person with no magical powers, enter this world she knows nothing about and is trying to figure out everything as she goes along. Josh, what were your feelings on the whole process of playing as a character that is jumping into a new world that is in over her head, but is taking it all in stride? And Rich, again, please feel free to jump in at any given point in time. Um, I mean, again, I've kind of mentioned this before, how a lot of these are tools that have been used for the longest time that could feel stale, but they're, they're used because they work. Um, having a character who doesn't understand what's going on is a great way to tell the player what's going on. Stranger um, in a Strange Land is a very typical storytelling yeah. device. Um, I mean, uh, explicitly in this one, it's based, it's, it's it's Harry Potter. Like, this kid who has no idea what the heck's going on in the magical world, so everyone has to explain it to him. It's, it's very much... It's very much like, oh, here I am in this new school. I don't know anything, um, but I, I, yeah. I think I think it works because, again, it's it's not a lot because you're just going to save your sister, which is again a fairly generic um, plot device, a very generic motivation, but. You're a stranger in a strange world who has a reason to be there. Like, it doesn't... In a lot of these stories, it feels like you're kind of getting dragged along, going for the ride, and don't really have a reason to be learning or experiencing these things. Whereas in this one, you're very specifically going into it on purpose, trying to track someone down. And I think it kind of works because of that. It almost... it it almost reminds me clear, of like uh, the problem. Yeah, it, like it almost reminds me of uh, Big Trouble in Little China, where you've got the dumb American going in there and having to have everything explained to them. Um, I mean, yeah. less less so than that, because obviously the joke in that is that he ends up doing basically nothing. 
through the whole thing. But right, you know, it's that right. that sort of feeling. Like there's 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 a reason for the character to to want to be involved in all of this. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair, and I like that. You know, obviously this game has taken a lot of inspiration from Harry Potter. If at any point you've listened to this and, and you're like, kind of sounds like Harry Potter. There's clearly some influence there from that series. Um, I just, you know, like, I like that there's some sense of belonging. There, There's a tie that Marit has here. So, like Josh is saying, she belongs here. There's a reason why she's there. Yeah. Rich, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I think I pretty much mirrored those sentiments and jumped in where I could there. I don't, uh, I I think we got it covered. Okay. Okay. We'll move on then. When they exit the tool shed, they run into Sigbert, the groundskeeper, who tells them the strange things that are happening at the school. Petronella tells Marit that they should go to the southern dorms to look for Safina. On the way there... They run into a memory crystal and see Safina talking about destroying something important and there being nothing anyone can do to stop her. They make it to the southern dorms and hide as they witness an exchange between Eben and Bax. Petronella is in awe that Eben is at the school and Marit reveals that they are looking for Safina and that she defeated them in a duel. As they enter the dorm, Petronella reveals that the halls have been changed. After solving some simple puzzles, they find Safina's room. They find that they can't enter it because it has been magically sealed. They are suddenly attacked by a cat that can cast ice magic. They defeat the cat who runs away afterwards. Petronella suggests that they find Rook, a friend who should be able to open Safina's room. They find Rook's room, and when they enter... They find a hyper witch named Gilda. Gilda reveals that after the event that happened in Ickenfell, Gilda had gained lightning powers. Being Safina's sister and attractive to Gilda, Gilda wants to battle the party in exchange for information on whereabouts of Safina. After they defeat Gilda, she reveals that headmistress Eldra took her away. After exiting their room, they find Rook just outside. Rook reveals that he... Mm, Rook reveals that they have been busy he's a and he. haven't talked... I thought he was non-binary. He is, but he's a he. Okay. I, I know. I, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a it's lot. It's a lot of a characters lot. to keep track of. It, it is. Yeah. There's a lot in this yeah. game. It's it no, took no, me. It took me the entire length of the game to get it right, and I yeah. know I got it wrong when we first talked about it on the show, um, in several places. Yeah. It's, it's just because there's so I get, many. Like it's, I, I'm only frustrated because I don't have the knowledge to understand when to use. Like I'm not frustrated that I have to use the knowledge, or frustrated that it's happening. I just I'm frustrated that I don't have the. You knowledge, want no? So. You want to? You want to say it correctly, and it's a lot to keep track of. It re, yeah, it is. It's it's a lot, especially like I said in this game where literally every character is, yeah, yeah, is a part of that spectrum. Yeah, yeah. He reveals that he is busy and hasn't talked to Safina much lately. After some coaxing. And listening to their information of the event thus far, he joins them in their search 
and he reveals that by gaining access to Safina's records in the library, they should be able to find a way to break through her magical barrier. Even though the player has only met about half of the party at this point, I wanted to talk about this now. Rich, can you talk for a little bit about the introduction of the characters in this game, both playable and non-playable, and how gratifying it is? And Josh, please feel free to jump in whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Every character kind of hits like with a, a different note, and I think one of the more interesting things is everybody kind of has this vibrance to them that immediately stands out. Like Gilda, who we just talked about, is very off the wall from the moment you meet that character. Um... But what, what I found to be even more interesting is, like, obviously the introductions are good, they're fun, and then as you learn the characters in combat and all that, they all have a lot of different uh, quirks and kind of intricacies to them. But you start to really learn more about those characters as you delve into their relationships with one another and their relationships with Safina. Um, and I, I really do feel like that's where they, they kind of really get their time to shine. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, jo- Josh, go ahead, jump in. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the first three that you join up with, well, not the first three, but you, your first three party members, so uh, Marie is, you know, the main character, so you... But anyway, the next two are Safina's friends. So, of course, you're trying to track down your sister. You're going to find the people who saw her last, who, who know her the most, who are going to be on board with helping you during all this. So you end up kind of it, like you, you mentioned before how it was kind of a mystery, like almost a detective feeling like, okay, we're going to track down these characters. They're going to be on board. And then as you get more information, you have reasons to talk to new people and you kind of widen, widen the search, um, trying to track stuff down. And I think it, I I think having, Safina's closest friends, your sister's closest friends, be the people you get to meet first. You get a lot of the initial information from her perspective, from Safina's perspective, because it's it's all kind of based around what she'd been up to, what um you know what she'd said to her friends. So the information that they're getting is directly from Safina. Um, which, you know, whether or not she's telling them the truth or not, they're getting that information directly from her. So you assume everything is, is you know, true at that point uh, as far as, you know, you, you, don't, you don't have any reason to doubt your sister. You're, that's who you're there to track down. Um, it kind of, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I did like that feeling of, uncovering new information like um you know making you doubt stories that you'd heard from each individual person kind of piecing together who, who's who got the actual correct information to all these little bits and why why am i getting different stories um, i thought was a really interesting way to get across the characters um yeah it's really compelling for sure like as you like you're saying as you talk to each character some of the information that you've already amassed has already been like is 
inevitably rewritten as you get more of the story and that's Mm -hmm. something that's a constant throughout the game and i agree i really like that in the beginning you meet her best friends first because you get a lot of context into who she is because you kind of get the impression early on that they aren't very close siblings like at one point they may have been but they're not really close anymore um obviously one's an ordinary one's a witch um they live in two different places for most of the year and they have different very different lives they may be related but they have very different lives and that's something that's stressed throughout the game but i i I also just i love what like what rich was saying how each character fills such a different niche and it's interesting because there is possible risk of overlap like you see eben and um gilda and they almost have a lot of similarities in their personality but their motives uh basically essentially cause them to be different characters and once you differentiate that then you start to know this some of the nuances and the intricacies and they they could kind of in some ways be considered mirror images of each other, but they feel fill completely different niches. And I love that each character has a very specific thing they're doing in the story. It felt to me, obviously, it's nowhere near this level in my opinion of quality, but it's damn it's damn close in some regards to something like Avatar: The Last Airbender, where each time you met a character in that TV show they were all so fleshed out nobody felt superfluous and they all f- uh, they all filled a different role and that's why mm-hmm. part of the reason why i'm so i was so into this game is each character they didn't feel superfluous they all filled a role no matter how minor or major it was and they were all pretty well fleshed out yeah yeah some of them like you said before they they don't feel the need to like force the personalities to be so drastically different as far as like like you're saying not not that they're not different but that there's a whole lot more by way of why um they act certain ways um like you know two characters might have self-doubt over something but like why they do changes how they react in different circumstances it's not just like oh well this one's the worry wart um which i think actually makes them worrying yeah i think i think it makes them more relatable because it's not like a matter of you know just single dimensional characters because like they're going to react differently and someone who is really strong-willed and uh you know always going off and doing their own thing in the right circumstance or in the wrong circumstance is going to not act that way. There's, it's going to affect them differently. And I, I liked that the characters were written with the motivations more in mind than just, Oh, this, this one's the klutz um, or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Like it's the only one trick ponies quote unquote that exist in this are, the the minor characters that give you a little bit of information to progress you forward Mm -hmm. for example we're gonna talk about it later um for example there's a character i didn't really include in the script uh when you get to the alchemy labs later there's this professor you come across and it looks like a giant slime enemy slime boss that you're gonna have to fight and it's like all right guys get ready get your swords out or or, or, get your weapons out we're about to fight Mm -hmm. and (laughs) 
the the slime boss is, or the slime boss is actually not a boss it's a professor and it's like oh excuse me sorry i was clearing out my throat i wasn't trying to fight you and then it's basically like uh the professor you're looking for is in the next room over and yeah. it's it's such a minor well, thing that, and it's yeah, like and the other two characters character who are that students, just adds some humor yeah they know that and so like they're not reacting that way but like since it, it's all at that point still framed through the main character's eyes you know like it does it does the whole thing with the music like oh man it's gonna be a big fight and then they're just they just they just ask her politely like oh hey professor we're trying to track somebody down and it yeah yeah exactly and like it's such a minor thing but it it really puts into perspective that what we were talking about previously about how you like josh is saying you are seeing this story through marit um at least for the first half of the game and so you are learning information as she's learning information, and you are clearly in over your head. You don't have a lot of the knowledge that all these other characters do, and you really are reliant on them um, as playing the main character for, to help you find your sister. And I think mm-hmm. that plays into that idea of sometimes it takes a village to solve a problem kind of uh, situation. Um, but yeah... I, like all the characters, I enjoyed every single one of them. So I love the introduction of all of them. They're all entertaining in their own way. So, all right, let's mm-hmm. hop back into the story. We have a lot left to do. <laughs> the, the trio run into another memory crystal on the way to the library and witness an event where a girl named Pertesia admits to ratting out Safina, Rook, and Petronella for sneaking in and out of the school with magic items. However, because the headmistress couldn't find the secret passageway, Safina wasn't expelled. The trio try to enter the library, but a magic door that insults people won't let them pass. They must look for Professor Leora, who can make the door open. Upon making their way to the alchemy labs to find the professor, they run into Eben and Bax, who reveal that Eben didn't want to come investigate, but Bax asked their coven to let Eben come because they are stronger together. Rook, being enamored with Eben, opines over witnessing the exchange, but also stressing caution around the, the two wizards. They enter the labs, overcoming the obstacles and monsters inside. They make their way to Leora's classroom and find a memory crystal. Leora talks about how creating potions allows ordinaries the convenience of using magic to make their lives easier. Gilda creates a potion in an explosive fashion, and Safina pokes fun, revealing that she already finished this week's assignment. Leora praises Safina, making Gilda jealous. After witnessing the crystal, they enter Leora's office. Leora is there, and she reveals the alchemy itself isn't working properly. They ask for her help to get through the magic door. After fighting her suddenly sentient cauldron, she makes a potion that will allow them to pass through the magic door. They make their way back to the library and gain entrance. Taking a small break from the story for a bit, Rich, how did you feel about the memory crystals acting as windows into the situation that Marit has inevitably put herself into as she attempts to navigate all of these complex relationships? And Josh, feel free to jump in. 
Uh, obviously, that stuff comes to a head sort of later on when you learn, like, the nature of those crystals, which I imagine we probably won't get to that before part two of this. Uh, but the... I, I always like flashbacks when used appropriately as, like, a, a, a device for giving you context. And more so in this, back to, like, the last question, I really like the way it affects the characters. Mm-hmm. Also because something that you'll notice as this goes on, it's important to note that when you check out these memory crystals, it it's made obvious that all the characters are seeing it. So you get to the point where, like, you're seeing things that certain characters, like, kind of feel uncomfortable about the others seeing as it affects their relationship with Safina as well as their relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it gives you a really good window into exactly, like, framing what what's, was going on with Safina as well as her relationships with characters like Petronella and Rook and Pertigia and all, all the other students at the school who, who play a role here. Yeah. I, the, as far as the crystals go, I, I'm not as big of a fan of flashbacks. I think they're fine, but I think this was such an interesting take on them as far as just like Rich was saying, really well. it's very interesting to have the characters in a piece of media, be aware of the flashbacks that are happening. Um, and that just that completely reframes the idea of uh, it's not that they're flashing back to to give the audience some new information. They're flashing it's like they're back watching to a recording. Give, yeah, they're it's it's yeah exactly. It's like they found a they found the security tape for this area is kind of yeah. functionally what they end up kind of becoming um, as far as you know the plot function. But I, I thought it was a really interesting way of um, getting more context to what's going on. But also, like Rich was saying, it, it ends up being character moments because everyone's seeing this thing that you just experienced. Um, so it's it's new context for you, but it's new context for all of them as well. Uh, well, most of them, unless they lived through it to begin with. Yeah, but, right. you know. Yeah, uh, I really like yeah, that. I, I honestly... thought that was neat. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just wrapping up. Um, I really liked it a lot because it actually leads to what Rich and Josh are saying. It leads to some development moments that they react to some of those um, those memory crystals immediately afterwards. And this is something we're, obviously we're going to talk about later. But, um, for example, if two characters' relationships have become strained, which is the case in this um, in this game... Then they witness one of the crystals, and then, oh, wow, I, one of the characters has some context that they didn't have context before about why their relationship had become strained. And then you see that play out in real time through the game. And I think that's really, really a really cool way of also showing that not only you as the main character don't have all of the information, and I think it's obvious that like they don't have all of the information about what's happening, the main conflicts, but they also don't have some of the information regarding their own personal lives and their own personal relationships. And that's what allows in some part that further character development. And I really, really like that a lot because I can't think of too many games that have done character development in that way, where basically it's, it's so complex 
you're giving the main character some information, what's, which is essentially giving the player some information. It's giving all the characters in general some information that some of them didn't have. And then it's giving them a situation for their character to develop even further. And it's giving not only context about who the character is and what makes them them, but it's allowing them to expand upon that. And I I just thought it was very well done. I, I want to say brilliantly done. And I, I, I believe that to be the case for me. I felt like it was brilliantly done. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's jump on ahead. Um, we got about a page left, and then we will split this right down the middle. They entered the library and began to look for the borrowed records of where Safina had signed off borrowing some of the books in this library. Marit admits that it bothers her that Safina never talked about having a sister to anyone in the school. They find a book from the future that Safina checked out. They find out that the spell was cast using her as the conduit. They conclude that instead of needing Safina to open Selena's door, they will trick the spell into thinking Marit is Safina. They decide to find and use Safina's clothes. They go to the prison outside of the school to start their search as the weird mysterious hat collector seems to live around there. They meet the shopkeeper and the mysterious hat collector, his name being Black Hat, who stole Safina's hat from Marit in the beginning. After defeating Black Hat, they take the hat. Petronella and Rook apologizes on... Excuse me, that was terrible English. Petronella and Rook apologize <laughs> on behalf of Safina. <laughs> me talk English. Apologize on behalf of Safina for her not telling them about the existence of Marit. They return to the library to find the next step, but the book is stolen by the attacking cat from earlier. They follow the cat to a secret room in the library where they find Perticia stuck in a mirror. She reveals that she controls the cat and that Safina trapped her inside of the mirror. She also reveals that the headmistress took Safina, found something old, and that if she uses it, the entire school will be destroyed. She asks them to destroy the mirror, releasing her from the spell, and in exchange, she will help them find the next piece of Safina's clothing in the northern dorms. At this point is where the player starts to get access to what's actually going on. Safina has presumably found something horrible, and the headmistress has taken her as a result to stop her. Josh, do you remember your ideas for what was going on at this point? Kind of the ideas that you thought might be taking shape here? Yeah, I think they do. We mentioned this before with characters getting new information as it goes. Um, because since all this has been framed from, oh, your sister must be in the right. There's something else going on here. Um, and her friends are completely on board with that. And then you meet Pertizia, which is she she is like an enemy to your sister i mean that sounds wrong but you know like just someone you really don't get along with at school like that sort of dynamic they're, they're they, not friends they are not friends um and 
I mean, you, you mentioned this before, but like after after the fight, she goes along to help you try to do that to just you know to make it up to you, which is a really interesting dynamic having people in your party who completely disagree about what is going on right because now. It, it gives that perspective of like basically she resigns herself to like no i'm gonna go along with you because i'm gonna make you understand what we're dealing with here yeah and i thought that was such an interesting dynamic to have someone in your party who is constantly saying no it's probably just because your sister's a bitch like to to like every new in piece of information you find, um, and like but like, yeah yeah it was it like that just that doesn't happen that's just that's just not a thing that happens in stories which I I really I appreciated because it's not something that was uh, like we, a lot of the things we've mentioned so far have been kind of cliched or like just formulaic but it's it's their way of getting the story to you. And this I felt like was kind of the point where the story starts to become its own thing and really just, you know, set itself apart from everything else. And I, I was, I was completely on board from this point. Like, okay, I, all the characters have something unique going on. I don't know exactly what's going on with the main story. Even, but like they all want to find out for their own like it's it's everything starts to work at this point as far as the whole thing becoming this just intricate machine that you need to figure and out what's going on that sort of stuff only gets better because whether it be the what's actually going on in the bigger sense of it uh Pertige's relationship to Safina like nothing is quite as simple as it seems mhm Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's funny you mentioned that, Josh, because I remember when I got to that point in the game, I was like, oh, this is the point where I, I'm fully on board. Like the, that exact moment when they introduce Pratija and she reluctantly kind of joins your party. I was like, I'm fully on board, like 100 percent on board. Yeah. That that was. Oh, yeah. That's the point where she, she is a temporary, like framed as a temporary party member. Right. Um, yes. I, not yeah. just yeah. framed. Yeah. You I free think, her from the mirror. I don't think you can control her. Exactly. You can you put cannot. her in the party if you decide to, but she won't. She follow. acts freely. Yeah, she acts freely. It's it's kind of it's kind of like when it, it's kind of like in Delta Rune at the beginning, where um, you've got a you know a party member who is doing their own thing. Which, um, I mean that that's that's its, its own narrative thing character. in Delta Rune. But yeah, but pl- plenty it, of JRPGs yeah. have done the the guest character thing. Yes, it's it's not a new thing, but I mean it's, it's Cloud I, and I, Sephiroth going up to Nibelheim. It, yeah, it stood out to me more in this one because it's a tactics game. Yeah, um, yeah. In in then instead of some of the others, because a lot of the time in a tactics game like that, especially one where it it's pretty strict on on some of this stuff, um, you really don't want her going off and getting herself killed because that's that I is an actual her, risk at all times. I, I mean, I kept her in my party. That mm-hmm. AI does pretty good. Yeah, yeah, she's not exactly. It's 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 not bad AI or someone who's actively trying to sabotage you, like, you know. Um, yeah, and, Co- yeah. A couple of a couple of things there. Uh, one, I I had to double check this because I wasn't sure. You actually can't swap her out of your party at that time. I had to double check that because I wasn't sure. 
Um, yeah. At that time, you cannot swap her out. Like she has I don't think to you stay can swap in... until until she's you can't... A, a, a full party member. When she joins as a full party member, that's when it actually gives you the ability. And mm-hmm. it, there's a little prompt I had forgotten about this, where it says you can actually start to swap um, your party members out at any save point, which is the cats. Um, up until that point, mm-hmm. you cannot swap her out. But one thing I wanted to mention uh, because. It's kind of funny. It, when you were talking about that, Josh, it reminded me of Shining Force 2. I apologize for talking about this game so much. Love these games. But <laughs> there's a point in Shining Force 2 where you get Peter the Phoenix. And he's one of, one of the most powerful characters in the game. Um, it's very early on in the game, so he's not quite that powerful yet, but he's still pretty OP. When you first get him to join your party, you can't control him. And it's like six or seven battles or missions that you can't control him. So either he's moving way too slow or he is moving extremely fast and he's stealing all your experience. And this character, he can't die because he's a phoenix. He he can just regenerate even if he dies. But he can steal, like you're trying to set up this intricate plan with the rest of your characters and then he just <laughs> bungles it because he does whatever he wants to do. The AI is so stupid in that game when you're um when he's on your side. So... Yeah, I mean, it could have been, it could have gone really horribly wrong, like you're saying, especially for a tactics style game. But they handled it so well, and it, it's mm-hmm. so much better that not only does it work well in combat, but narratively, it stays incredibly consistent. And you're kind of wondering why would why would she join um, the the party of two people that clearly don't like her and she doesn't like them. But also the sister of her arch rival, I guess, her arch nemesis in some ways. And you don't have that context yet. And it's cool because at that point, like Josh said, every character clearly has their reason for doing what's happening throughout the game. And it opens another question in the best way possible. By her joining your party, you're like, why would she do that? I want to know. And I think that's that's part of or probably the main reason why I was so on board with the game right at that point, because I was like, this character shouldn't want to join. She is joining. Why does why does she want to do that? I want to know her intent. I want to know her motive. Mm-hmm. She has some major part to play. And I'm excited to find out what it is. So um, to be honest with you, I don't really remember too much of what I thought at this point. I was like. Safina's done something shitty, but I don't really know how shitty. Is the headmistress shitty, or um, is she not shitty? Someone's I don't shitty, know. but I'm unsure who. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is is secretly um, Pratisha shitty? Uh, and like, what what do these other characters, like Gilda and Bax and Eben, have to do with the story? Like, I knew some. Mm. Like, obvious. It's, it's such a lame, generic answer. I knew somebody was the enemy, but I just couldn't figure out quite yet who it was. And my three main suspects at that time were Eldra, uh, Pratisha, and Safina. Uh, not in that order. Yeah. But th- those were my three suspects at that given point in time. So let's move on. Upon entering the northern dorms, they marvel at how nice it is, being the rich dorms and all. Pratisha reveals that the Snatcher, an ancient thief, stole Safina's cloak and access to its lair is inside of her family storage. 
They find Pertesia's room, but are ambushed, but are ambushed by Gilda, who challenges Marit to another duel. After losing and revealing her attraction to Marit in a very funny fashion, she leaves in anger and frustration. In the room, Marit notices a piano. Pertesia reveals that she used to practice and perform, but hasn't had time in the past few years. They go into, an alter, into the alternate universe to find the lair, and Pertesia has a panic attack. The shadowy creature comes for them, but Marit helps a panicking Pertesia escape. Marit and Pertesia have a heart-to-heart, and Pertesia officially joins the trio. I wanted to stop here and just quickly say that the sequence of them escaping the alternate universe and Marit and Pertesia having their conversation is one of my favorite parts in the entire game. I love that genuine connection and consideration that each have for the other in that moment. Did it affect you guys, that specific sequence, as much as it affected me? It had me thinking maybe maybe her sister was a bitch. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, no, like the, the we we mentioned before how scary it was, you know, when you first see this, you know, creature in this area trying to sneak into the school and then having it so completely freak out Pertesia and have her just break down, um, seeing it i think it it gives you so much more context as far as you know she's not just this spite fueled you know monster kid. who is trying to do all these horrible things just because to to safina um not not that being scared of something you know absolves you of everything else but just that there's there's so much more to this character than there's a, just... there's a person there like yeah um and i think it humanized her it did yeah. it, it really humanized her and also even though this is like a you know pixel art game at that point that thing is like it that is a legitimately scary like character moment that that she's going through having her just break down and not be able to even run from something that is about to kill her um yeah, I think it's really well paired with when when dialogue happens in this game, you obviously see just the head and the face of the character talking. And they do a really good job of conveying the panic and the shame yeah. that Pertesia is feeling. And you can even even if it's pixelated tears, it just adds to the intensity of what's happening at that moment. It's very well done. Yeah. Okay. Rich, do you have anything else that you needed to add to that? Uh, no. I mean, I think I'm good on that. I, I, I mean, outside of my bitch sentiment. Um, like <laughs> I said, it just it, it's about kind of bringing you that level, and it even briefly shows you how almost like at a loss Patronella and Rook are over the situation because like they're not like dismissive of her but it's like this person they've always sort of viewed as like this problem person for them and they really yeah. don't even know how to like deal with it like they they feel bad but they're like we're not like we don't know like, how we're to... still kind of hate her 
yeah, <laughs> like we, we don't know how to address this. Yeah, because again, right, like right, from exactly. their perspective, she's only ever tried to mess with them and get their friend expelled, and you know, just pick on them. Like, of course, like they do not like Pertigia at all at that point, and then she has such you know such a moment that like watching them try to deal with with like reconcile with their feelings about her yeah while this is going on like oh i, I guess i guess she is a person like i i'd not really considered she that until now but um yeah it is like just the that that whole that whole scene was done really well just getting across like just as much as possible with with a single situation and i think i think they they do so much like i mentioned before it's like each each beat manages to accomplish so so much um for for everyone involved yeah i think it's a really big one thing i just i didn't really think about i thought of it kind of as a byproduct but i actually realized it's a main focal point one of the main focal points here is that the whole time Marit, during this, these opening sections in this beginning sequence, she's wrestling with the fact that Safina was probably ashamed of her and didn't tell anybody about her, um, presumably, at this time. That's what uh, Marit feels. And mm-hmm. she's constantly, you know, telling people I'm Safina's sister. And they're oh, that's Safina. And, like, they're hearing she's getting more and more information, and she's starting to think oh, my sister might not be this good person. And so by showing this level of empathy and compassion that she did throughout this time, I think she's inevitably trying to show not... She she doesn't show empathy and compassion because of this, but I think through just being herself, she's trying to show that she's different from her sister, that she she might be Safina sister and she wants to find her sister but she's not her sister and it's at this moment that Safina's arch rival looks at her and is like you're not Safina you're this nice caring compassionate person you're not your sister and I think that's kind of a big moment of relief for Marit in some ways it's like okay people realize that I am my own person even though I'm looking for my sister and my sister may have done these absolutely terrible things and I think that was a really important part as well. It's as much important for Marit as it is for Pertigia, um, for people to see her as her own person. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. Well, this is the last. I'm going to read a little bit more and have one more question, and then we will cut it there. Yes, I'll marry will... you. <laughs> and then we'll save it for part two. They enter the Snatcher's lair and fight the Snatcher for the cloak. After defeating it, I didn't even spell defeating, I spelled it defeating, which is a very different thing, he happily gives away the cloak. After returning to the dorms, Rook and Petronella talk about how they didn't see Safina much leading up to the magic event because she was working on a secret project. They enter Safina's room and find another memory crystal. Safina is joined in her room by Professor Ima, and they discuss 
Safina's new invention. Safina. Safina's new invention that has helped her find old books with ancient spells. Ima wants to run the research Safina is doing by headmistress Aeldra, but Safina says no, revealing that she thinks the headmistress has been deceiving everyone at the school, hiding an immense power from everyone. She asks for two days to bring proof to Ima. They find the prism heart after the memory which is Safina's big invention, and they plan to go to the astronomy tower where Aima is located. So I wanted to stop here because I felt that this is definitely worth mentioning. This is something that we were kind of talking about before um, as I screwed up <laughs> some pronouns earlier. That's It's not going to be in the show, so don't worry about that. But the creators of the game use some peculiar pronouns such as Z and Zer at various points when talking about Aima. Throughout the game, you'll learn that certain characters are on the LGBTQ plus spectrum, and some of these pronouns are gender neutral. Before playing this game, I was actually unaware of these pronouns. I was actually educated more about this through the game, and I've done a little bit of subsequent research as a result. Rich, do you think that having this level of inclusion and education of the LGBTQ plus community is important? And what impact do you hope that it will have? And Josh, as always, join in whenever you feel like it. I mean, it's it's absolutely important. It's it, again, like, and I've, we've spoke about this in other contexts before. It's about representation and people who you know. Um, view themselves as way don't you don't see a lot of this especially like i said i'm right with you shay the the z and zer like i I was unfamiliar with those pronouns entirely and it's sort of um an older idea is my understanding based off like what i've looked up like clearly something done purposefully here um but it actually dove me into doing a decent amount of reading to kind of um familiarize myself with because if we're going to talk about this at length i obviously one it's just good knowledge to have and two i I don't want to speak incorrectly on 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 things like that yeah absolutely josh where are you at with that uh well i mean kind of like rich was saying it is an older there they is almost universal now as far as like most people who end up you know wanting pronouns other than he or she will usually go with they because it's just it's universal everyone else already under ex- understands it it's and easier to understand it's easier it's, yeah with, it's easier yeah. to get across whereas um this character in particular Ima is a professor at the school so it's someone who is possibly gonna going out of their way to make a statement to to make sure that this is something that people interact with. Um, it's, it's more inner in, in, in it's part, part of the personality for, for the, uh, for the professor to, uh, to do that. Um, it's, it's, um, again, not a big, like something that's, um, ever brought up as if it's not completely normal in the game which I think um, 
I think is I think is interesting. It's 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 always interesting to see how um someone who is not normal in in our world is like w- whether or not that's even considered to be an issue, I guess is um the way I'm, I, the way I'm I, try, trying to I get what you're saying. You know, like I, I kind of get what you're what, saying. What 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 does this mean in a in a different world? Is kind of where where I'm trying to get with uh, with that. Yeah, exactly. Um, because whether or not you make something an issue is like, uh, for example, entirely human invention. Yeah, exactly. Like why? Um. Trying to think of a good example. It's it's just that the way the way a person feels about addressing themselves or carrying themselves or like is only an issue if we make it an issue. Yeah, like whether or not someone's going to draw attention to it being strange. Um, yeah, because if it's not strange in that world, why would someone treat it as if it is? And I think the really interesting thing about this game is that it's never treated as a strange thing. Everyone just rolls with it. Um, the one time anyone brings up anything with this, well, not not anything, but as far as like anyone um, misgendering or whatever like that, is a single line about um, between between uh, Safina and Rook in one of the flashbacks um, about. Safina, um, you know, just making an assumption and then, um, you know, getting corrected and that's it. That's, that's the entire experience. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I was, I was going to talk about that. I, I, I want to interrupt you really quick because that's a very good point for me to jump in. Cause I was going to mention that exact point. I think that this game is incredibly, incredibly important that it that in that it's continuing the conversation we talked about earlier this year the last of us two being a part of that conversation i think this is another game that's great for that conversation and the reason why i say that is because i've heard so many times i've heard it from my own family members if i'm being completely honest like i don't care what people do as long as they don't shove it in my face and i i i grew i grown at that being in 2020 and we grown at that being in 2020 because so often the heterosexuality shoved in people's faces and it's like what, what's like what's the difference <laughs> how many, how many acres is the gender reveal going to burn down this time we're hoping right, for a record exactly and <laughs> and i don't want to sound like a broken record here because we talked about it very extensively during the last of us two um podcast we talked about that on the chomping after dark if you want to go back and listen to that i highly I advise you do so um i think it's very edifying for both us and possibly for you guys if you guys are kind of trying to learn more um where i like this game is there's there's absolutely none of the quote-unquote shoving it in your face except this one moment which you i guess you could perceive it that way if you really want that narrative to be spun um but it's less of that and safina like hanging out with her new friend and talking to her new friend which is rook and rook just saying hey look i'm non-binary just correcting her and i think it's something that that's a very casual conversation you know um i have a friend who um is on the lgbtq plus uh, spectrum 
and I remember um, her and I sitting down. Uh, sorry, they and I <laughs> one that one day sitting um, sitting down having a conversation as we were going to uh, to this police station. We were we were walking down the street, and um, my friend had basically informed me that they identified at, at that time as asexual and kind of explained to me where they were at. And we've had subsequent conversations about it um, where where that person has kind of educated me a little bit on just in general the spectrum and who they were as a person and what they preferred. You know, um, my friend says that she, she doesn't mind being called she, but would rather identify as they. And sometimes I catch myself saying she, and sometimes I catch myself saying they. And it's, at the end of the day, the biggest thing is it's a work in progress. It's it's fairly new to us, and we, as long as I think it's important to realize that as long as we all continue to educate ourselves and have the best intentions, that's all that anybody in, on that spectrum really wants, you know? And I th I think that this game goes really, like, takes it much further than something like The Last of Us 2 because it's it's not about acceptance at that point. It's more like yeah. a normalization because they aren't shoving it in your face. They're just using these pronouns and yeah, it I mean, causes like it's, people it's like me to go look it up. It's specifically an issue for Lev in The Last of Us. Like, it's it's not just specifically an issue. It's, it is their issue. It's the whole... The whole reason whole they're in the situation they're Storyline revolves around everyone else being a complete dick because they're not going to accept it. Um, right. you, you end up with enemies just yelling hateful shit because they're not going to accept it. And not that there's not a place for that, but there's also a place for just like, no, this is normal. Of course it's normal. We're not, why would we make it an issue? Um, yeah, and so it's 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 good to see both. It's just two two different types of stories. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, I this one give far a more out. uplifting. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I want to give a shout out to uh, a guy. I've been watching his uh, let's play videos all morning as I was writing the script. As I was telling the guys, usually what I do is I go to Wikipedia, I get the basic skeletal structure of it of the show down, and then I insert what I think is important and interesting for us to talk about, and I add a lot more based off of that. They didn't have a Wikipedia section for this, so I've been having to, like, I wrote this script all from scratch and just watching Let's Plays of the game. That way we could discuss it. I want to shout out uh, Quasi Mofo. If you want to check him out on YouTube, he does an awesome <laughs> Let's Play series. That name is great. It is, and he he has a he has he does Let's Plays with commentary. And I, I there's a part earlier in the game where I talked about um, fuck, I just spaced her name Petra, the yeah Pertesia Lightning. Oh, Gilda. No, Gilda. Sorry, Gilda. why did I say Petra? Uh, yeah, Gilda, uh, the Lightning Witch, and she goes to fight um. Marit and as Marit gets closer and she's like oh she's getting close my big gay heart and the guy who's playing it he just starts laughing he's like that's a wonderful line and it, you know what was also cool too is as he came up upon these pronouns Z and Zer he's like I'm actually not really familiar with these um, I'm gonna have to do some research and it was really cool to hear 
somebody post this and kind of resonate my thoughts. You know, when I first heard those pronouns, I was like, is, is this something that's contained within the universe? Is this just weird pronouns I use? But then I started hearing them and he and her and she and all those other pronouns. And I was like, okay, I, I clearly don't know something here. So I went and researched them and I learned that they're gender neutral pronouns. And I really like that this game is not working on acceptance of that. It's just about normalization. And it's not even trying to shove it in your face that it's a normalization thing. It's just trying to show inclusion because it's not even just about the LGBTQ plus spectrum. There are a lot of people of color in this game as well. And there's a lot of, um, even if you don't want to make it about LG LGBTQ, there are a lot of men and women in this game. You're playing as a female protagonist. The only quote unquote male character in the party is non-binary which I thought was really cool. Um, this game is very much about inclusion and acceptance. And I think that's a really, really important discussion. And it's not the only reason to play this game. It's not the main reason to play this game, but it's a cool reason to play the game. Um, inclusion is such a big thing that we talk about constantly in the gaming medium in the community. And here's a game that's doing it and it's not shoving it in your face. It just, it's there to normalize it. And that's why I also like Professor Ima so much is what Josh was talking about. This character seems like probably identifies as a woman. You know, you don't know because it's never officially addressed because why would it need to be addressed? But like Josh was saying, whenever, it seems they're, like whenever they're not using the specific pronouns, they generally use feminine other words uh, as far as like headmistress and, and the like. So Yes. But again, it's it's not addressed directly. Right. Nor but it, I, it I think that was, to be. Yeah. Well, not only does it not need to be, but I think Josh had maybe we're reading too much into it, maybe not, I don't know. It seems like an intentional choice made by the developers to have that character resonate and embody inclusion. Um, I think that's such an important thing, and it's mentioned later in the game, and we'll get into that later in part two, that um, all the students love her. You know, all the students look up to her and respect her, and um, I bet you inclusion is a big part of that, and I think that's part of the re reason why um, they designed her that way, or Zer that way, um, is because they are trying to show inclusion, and they're trying to put this character as kind of... Maybe I don't know if it's paragon is the right word there, but just as somebody who is looked up to and yeah. somebody who wants to set an example for everyone else. Yeah. Um, like I, I, yeah, yeah. There's there's an awful lot of that there. There's also, um, one thing that I actually did really like about this a lot as well, which I don't know if you noticed much of it or not was. On on top of all that being completely normalized, um, there's an awful lot of... In most fantasy, you get some sort of mythology as, like, the, the basis for everything else you're working off of. Um, and... Almost all of it in this one is based off of christian mythology um and history and there's an awful lot of fairly fairly reverential treatment 
of of a lot of it as well, which I think is a really interesting way to put that together to not, you know, make it some horrible other thing. Because in a lot of American society, they're treated like opposites, complete opposites. Like, yeah, it 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 can't be something. Like we can't experience these two things together at all, um, right? And I thought it was really neat that it was just no. Of course, these two things are together here. Why would they? There, there is no. There's why. There's of course there's no distinction there. That was, you know, made by assholes later. Um, yeah, it's like, not an us and them thing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an awful lot of stuff, um, like Petronella's, you know, last name being Abednego and. Uh, um, in one of the songs, there are lyrics about Martin Luther. Um, yeah, it there's there's. I I really enjoyed it that they. Yeah, just 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 assumed like of course these things can can coexist here and be, you know. Just side by side without trying to kill each other. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just like people from all, like, I think it's, yeah, one of the biggest stories about, or one of the biggest morals, I guess, or one of the biggest takeaways from this game, I guess I would say, um, and we can end it on this note, is that acceptance and inclusion are such big things that will benefit so many people, and that, like, I, I, I'm sure there are situations, quote-unquote, but it, it doesn't hurt to be inclusive for other people. Um, I'm obviously uh, now that I'm thinking about, it, there are some exceptions to that, but um, yeah, in terms of what this game is trying to convey, acceptance and inclusion is a beautiful thing. And um, yeah, that the less things that divide us, the better we are as a society and as people and as wizards and witches mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and inanimate ca- cauldrons. So, but <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna stop here. Um, we have a lot more of this game to talk about. Uh, Rich needs to get some sleep. I need to finish the script. Josh probably wants to make another cocktail or something. But uh, we will be back the following <laughs> week, next week, with part two. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Thank you for checking out the podcast and come back for part two. Thank you so much and take care. <laughs>